Welcome to the Future Financial Planners podcast, brought to you by the Financial Planning Association of Australia. Whether you're a student, a graduate, or an early career advisor, join us as we dive into the ins and outs of becoming a financial planner. I'm your host, Azaria Bell, bringing you tips from the experts on career strategy, sanity, and success. Today's episode is all about why you should choose a career as a financial planner. In this episode, I'll be joined by Julian Place. Julian is the Regional Manager at Oriana Financial Services and over his career has spent many years as a certified financial planner. He's also spent a significant amount of time coaching financial planners in the industry, so he has plenty of wisdom to share. We discuss what a typical day as a financial planner looks like, work-life balance, how much financial planners get paid, and lots more. Hi, Julian. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. My pleasure. Great to be here. Now, Julian, I'm really excited for today's episode because what I wanted to do is talk to someone who's got experience in financial planning to let us know what we can expect for a career as a financial advisor. So I have a ton of questions. If you don't mind, we'll just jump right into them. Awesome. Far away. So first of all, I'd love to know what it is that you do and how you got into financial planning. Sure. Um, yes. So, so my role currently is is not actually as a financial advisor, which might seem a strange response given you you're keen to find out about it. But I can share with you, I've had 12 years experience as an advisor, so I, I do know what that's all about. So my current role is actually with an Australian financial services licensee, um, which every advice business must be licensed, as, as some of your listeners might be aware. So I work for that um, business that owns the license and helps advice businesses with all sorts of things that they need to be across, such as your research and um, compliance to make sure they're doing all the right things, marketing, technology, recruitment, all sorts of stuff. So that's my current role. So it's, it's um, a, a big role. It's a varied role, given I work for a smaller um, licensee business. Um, But yeah, so my current role is not actually as an advisor, although I have experience as an advisor. Mm -hmm. And when we spoke the other day, Julian, you told me the story about how you actually got into financial planning, and it's probably one of the more unique stories I've heard. So would you mind sharing that one with the audience? Sure, sure. I'll I'll give your listeners the the shortened version. Um, But yeah, I guess out of school, I I did... um, arts and music at school and I was um, at, good at maths. I, I got the maths award at, at, for VCE. And so even though I didn't really know about financial planning as a career and I did a music degree, I did an arts degree um, and I did a whole heap of, as a lot of uni students do, did other part-time work and I was repairing lawnmowers, I was teaching piano, I was working in a, a news agents at 4am in the morning and playing piano at a bistro till midnight. So I was <laughs> I was working hard and uh, I actually got into um, web design in the early days of the World Wide Web and was creating a, a website for a financial services business. And that's when I thought, well, I really should understand a little bit about what financial services and financial planning is. And so I did DFP Unit 1, as it was called back in the day. Actually, I did Unit 2 first. And then I thought, well, I've done two, I should do one. And so it went and before I knew it, I'd done the whole DFP and then I sort of moved out of that web design part of the business and into sort of more assistant sort of type role to the advisors, which then led to me gradually making my way through a power planning role, associate advisor roles. I moved around companies a few times and then I did the CFP certification course, um, became CFP, joined another business, Um, that I then stayed with for 
almost 10 years as, as a senior advisor in that business. And it was only at the end of that period, um, that business actually then was going to merge with a dozen other large businesses to form a 300 plus staff business, which is now known as the Shadforth Financial Group. And at the time there was a merging of the businesses and a little bit of um, cultural change, I guess, whenever you merge 12 different businesses, mm -hmm. there's always going to be change. And um, at that time, I got a call from AMP to say, would you love to come and join us in a, in a sort of a, a business coaching type role? And um, given I'd never worked for a large corporate before, I, I thought, why not sort of do something different and uh, still in advice. And, um, and so I moved to that licensee side of, of advising, I guess. Amazing. So if we go back to when you were advising clients on a daily basis, for those who are wanting to get to that point um, in their careers, what are some of the things that you were doing on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, so a typical day in the life of a financial advisor um, is, again, sort of very varied um, and probably more so, sadly, today it's a lot more sort of of the admin type um, of work. But yeah, look, there's a whole heap of different things that go into being an advisor. You certainly need to keep your technical skills up. So there's that constant education piece. So once you've finished your degree at uni, that is not the end of your <laughs> education. Um, a, a career in financial advice is lifelong learning. Um, so there's that, that aspect um, with, with um, CPD, there's um, connecting with other advisors through either you know, um, fund manager events and learning about and researching various products and strategies for your clients. Obviously, there's the day-to-day -day meeting with your clients that um, many advisors find that's the most enjoyable part of their job and they wish that would be the, the major part of their job. Definitely. Um, but again, it depends too whether you're a self-employed advisor and, or whether you're um, working for another business whereby um, some of the other administrative tasks might be taken care of, allowing you to spend more time sort of, if not face-to-face -face in, in non-pandemic uh, times um, <laughs> or over Zooms, I guess, is uh, many, many um, advisors throughout the country at the moment. But, yeah, yeah. So they're the sort of mixing mixing the admin side of being an advisor with the you know, direct client-facing side. For sure. And you talked about the fact that the meetings is the part of the job that a lot of advisors love. And I think today's generation, they're more looking for work that's rewarding, not necessarily just a high paying job. Um, so would you say that financial planning is a good opportunity for those who are looking for rewarding work? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, actually, that's probably the number one thing about a career in advising. And I know when I speak to advisors all over the place and I ask them, why do you love being an advisor? Or what's you know, the best thing about being an advisor and it sounds cliche but everybody says I really love helping people and who doesn't right it's like when you give a gift to someone you know at, at Christmas time they say you know giving is better than receiving and I think when you're an advisor you are you are giving all the time you're giving people peace of mind you're giving them knowledge you're giving them discipline to review their financial affairs you're giving them certainty that they're going to achieve their goal and they've got a mapped out plan for their financial lives. Um, you're giving the, the achievement of the things that are important to them and, and protecting their assets and their lifestyle and their families and their other loved ones. So you are giving a lot to your uh, clients um, as an advisor. And I remember many times as an advisor where 
you know, clients have just, you can see the relief in, in their eyes, you know, when there's been a, a market downturn and they come in to see, am I okay, you know, with my finances? It's, it's like going to a doctor and getting the results of your test, you know, and, and to see that relief and some of them actively are fist pumping, you know, and high-fiving. And so it's, you can tell that, you know, what you do as an advisor. Sometimes advisors can take for granted that, the knowledge they have, you know, doesn't everybody know this stuff? But mm, actually, yep, um, you get to understand that in your career as an advisor that, you know, even sharing what you might feel is some pretty basic concepts and, and, and ideas with clients really gives them sort of some insight and some relief that, um, yeah, you didn't realise was going to be as powerful as it, as it was. So, yeah, that's, that's the best part of the role. Yeah, I think that's what's so special about financial planning as opposed to other jobs in the financial sector is you do get that one-on-one -on -one contact with clients and you do see the results of your hard work pretty quickly. And I think another thing that a lot of people are looking for these days is work-life balance. Um, and I'd love to hear your opinions on how work-life balance interacts with financial planning. Sure. Yeah, it's um, it's a it's an interesting concept. Work life balance. I know, uh, and maybe with a little bit of uh, sarcasm, but uh, a mentor that I I once heard talking to uh, young people about starting their career in financial advice, and his advice was um, at the start just work half days. He said, hmm. any twelve hours you like. You know, so, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think see. it was play on words. But, um, look, you know, it's. You know, like any job, I guess, you can go as, as easy or as hard as you like, I guess. And, mm -hmm. you know, people often ask me, well, how long does it take to climb the ladder if I start in a junior role? How long before I'm, you know, a senior advisor? And really that that is up to them because I've not seen any business that says no, um, you know, employer, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hold you back, you know, even though you're mm -hmm. ready and you've shown all the skills and all the keenness and all the desire, I'm going to hold you back because... We, we keep people in this role for three years. That doesn't happen. If you show that you've got what it takes and you have the commitment and the um, intelligence and the capability, um, you can progress very quickly in, in financial advice. So I got, got onto that capability rather than work-life balance. But, yeah, so work-life balance is how hard do you want to pedal? You know, if, if mm. you commit all of your day to it, then I guess your your uh, your leisure activities will, will suffer a little bit. But um, it, it's pretty much just like any other job. Um, you know, you're expected to do a nine to five with a lunch hour, just like most roles, I guess. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I guess we all have the same amount of hours in our day. It's, I guess, how we allocate them and how we use them and how efficient we are in moving from work to leisure and other lifestyle activities yeah yeah that's it i think one of the things that people might worry would hold them back is being a parent and i know just before we started recording julian that you mentioned that you have two children of your own um is financial planning a viable career option for those that are looking to start a family yeah well certainly i have i work with many financial planners that are parents so um again i guess similar to before um you know we make it work somehow don't we we've all got our challenges and juggling things and more often than not, when you're a parent, you, know, you might have a significant other that helps you in that job. So, you know, whether it's tag teaming, whether it's childcare, whether it's after school care. I know my, my um, two daughters, you know, went to before school care and after school care sometimes. So, um, mm. you know, if that's an option, it's not always an option for people. But, yeah, again, it, it's no 
different really to to any other role but um certainly when you're self-employed when you run your own advice business obviously that means that you are your own boss so you're not going to get a trouble in trouble from your boss for, for <laughs> not being there and even in my current role right now i know actually when i went for my job interview one of the pers people i um that interviewed me actually turned on the zoom and of course these days it was was not so long ago when we were already in pandemic and um and they had literally just got out of the pool from giving their daughters um, a swimming lesson and, and no apologies <laughs> for my appearance. And then another person I interviewed, their daughter was sort of rolling around on the couch behind them as well. So um, although perhaps you might think it's a slightly less than professional when you've got you know kids rolling around in the background of your Zooms, it does happen and I think people are, are more understanding of that these days than ever before, that people do have lives outside of work and you need to often intertwine them and mm -hmm. um yeah gone are the days when it was frowned upon and and frequently people in my previous role and in my current role say you know what i've got to end this meeting at whatever time because i've got to go and pick up my kids from wherever or my kids sick or whatever and it's just that's normal now um mm -hmm. once upon a time it was less than normal now it's just totally understood that people have families and families come first is a mantra we hear around that's our right. office so yeah. Oh, that's really good. That's a much more positive um, work culture than you hear of maybe some other careers in finance. So that's very reassuring. And you did just mention as well, um, some people choosing to be self-employed as a financial planner. And that's one thing I've heard a lot, especially when I was at uni, people talking about wanting to graduate and then start their own financial planning business. And I know for yourself, you've worked with advisors who are both employed planners and self-employed planners. What are some of the things that people might be wanting to consider when they're deciding if they want to go down the employed or self-employed route? Yeah, good question. Um, and sometimes, you know, even as an employed advisor myself, I, even my clients would ask me, Julian, you know, why aren't you starting your own business? Or, you know, and I think at mm -hmm. the time I just um, started a family, I had a big mortgage, I had no clients, no office, no, mm -hmm. and I'd have no income and lots of debt. And, you know, I could think of a hundred reasons, but, um, having had the experience I've had working with financial services licensees, I now know a lot more about how you would start a business, what's involved, and more importantly, I guess, what sort of skill sets um, and sort of self-motivation and, and your even personality traits are involved. And I, I would say to um, younger people thinking about that, I, I, I certainly do think working in an employed role um, is a great way to get experience actually at the craft of financial advice and financial planning. Um, and then I guess a separate business skill is running a business. So when you're a self-employed advisor, you are running a small business. And mm -hmm. so you need to ask yourself, are you entrepreneurial? Are you self-motivated? Do you have the desire to do whatever it takes to actually be successful in business? Um, are you smart with money? Are you disciplined? Will you get up in the morning and actually work rather than thinking, oh, well, no one's going to know. It's only me. I'm the <laughs> boss. I'll go and do something else. Um, and people get out of it um, what they put into it, I guess, like a lot of things in life. And so um, over my career, I've not seen really anyone fail when they've given it 110%. Mm. They've, they've, they've done well. And and certainly many financial advisors, as your listeners may know, have left the industry in recent years um, for a whole host of different reasons. Um, but some perhaps found running their own business in financial 
planning tough and it's mm. not easy there and it's not getting any easier either with with some of the reforms and layers of compliance and things but for those who are driven and will do what it takes to succeed um you will succeed um so i often say it's sort of a little bit philosophical but you will you will have the degree of success that you think you will mm. so so that's very true and in other words i heard it that um there's a saying and it says, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. Yep. That's <laughs> right. So, so if you think oh, I can do this, nothing's going to get him away, nothing's going to stop me, I've got the desire, the will, the motivation, the skill, and I'm going to do it, you will get there because you won't be happy in yourself with anything less than success. But if you, Absolutely. in your heart of hearts, think, you know what, I prefer the easy road, I'm not really that driven, I need people to sort of show me the way, give me structure. I'm not a leader, I'm a follower. Maybe an employee, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we're all different, but maybe an employee role might be more suited to you. So, you know, in your heart of hearts, whether, you, whether you've got the, the drive and the, and it takes, there's a little bit of risk too, right? So no one's, no one's paying you a salary when you're self-employed. So, you know, whether you've got the drive or not, if you go out and do all the right things and still the fruits of, success don't immediately come your way how are you going to feel about that and mm -hmm. can you cope and you know obviously the um the bank manager is going to want their uh, home loan repayment at some point so you know <laughs> there's all those other sort of risks financial risks and and things to take too and certainly running your own business takes you know to that life balance type question it does take a lot more because you're not just an advisor you're a business person you're the hr manager you're the uh you know, you, you, you do every role in the business. So um, yeah. you wear a lot more hats when you're the owner of a self-employed planning business. Yeah. yeah, absolutely right. And that actually leads me to my next question. And I know this is going to be a difficult one to answer because there's so many different variables. But I guess a question a lot of people that are looking to get into financial planning would have is how much do financial planners actually get paid? Yeah, no, very good question. And um, I think when we chatted previously, I shared with you that my only goal when I was a young guy and I had no idea what I wanted to do for a career, I looked at my dad who got up every day and I thought, all I want to do is wear a suit to work. <laughs> and, um, and so, um, as I mentioned, I got into financial advice sort of in a roundabout way. But um, look, there are guides that can let um, people know what sort of um, salaries are on offer for various different roles in financial services. It's called the Hayes Salary Guide. It's a well-known guide. It's free. Um, even if you Google that Hayes Salary Guide, I think you should find that online. And, and it actually sets out different salary ranges for different states across the country. So depending on where you live, sort of numbers vary. I think um, the lucky Sydney siders tend to be the highest salaries. I think Melbourne sort of follows and, and the rest of the country not, not far behind. There's not great disparity. But in terms of advice roles, um, I mean, you can start, I think the give or take the, the sort of the basic uh, minimum wage for um, financial advisors is a bit over 50,000 for my first day on the job type stuff. Mm -hmm. um, if you've got a little bit of experience and you want an associate or a junior advisor role, um, you might be looking circa 70,000. I hope employers are not getting annoyed with me giving out these numbers. <laughs> I have no idea whether they're spot on or not. Mm -hmm. um, sort of with a little bit of, you know, two, three, four, up, maybe up to five years experience, you might be somewhere between sort of 80 um, up to maybe even, you know, 90, you know, nudging 100. Um, and I know for senior advisors, there are plenty of roles on seek, 
sort of in the circa 120 ranges. And look, if you work for a very successful firm working with higher net wealth clients and have you know 10 to 15 years experience, possibly even towards the mid 100s um, as an employee um, advisor. Again, if you're um, a self-employed advisor, um, sky's the limit really. I know my, my mentor over 10 years um, at a business I worked, he used to say, there's nothing wrong with making bucket loads of money was his catch cry. <laughs> and um, he ran a very, very successful business. And um, yeah, I'm sure, you know, that he was earning probably seven figures, but, um, but that's probably abnormal. And particularly these days when there are a lot more uh, admin and compliance requirements on businesses. Um, but plenty of businesses I work with um, that are two, three and four advisors um, revenue in those businesses is well in excess of a million dollars, which means, you know, there are a lot of costs. There's licensing and technology and rent and taxes and all sorts of other costs. Um, but yeah, certainly it's not uncommon that um, people running their own business could be um, you know, taking home 200,000 plus. Um, yep. So if you run a successful business, the reward is there, um, but it's, it's not easy. Um, being in self-employed or running your own small business in any industry is, is not easy. Um, financial planning is no different. But um, if you are successful, just like anything, it's like how much does a tennis player earn? Well, yeah, 1,000 exactly. in the so world variable. probably um, struggles to pay their airfares and their <laughs> And number one in the world is what, I don't know what Roger Federer is worth, but he's probably 100 million or maybe a billion. I think he was nudging a billion or something. I'm not oh, sure. wow. But, uh, there you go. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, it's a, it's a wide wide range. But, yeah, certainly early days, you know, absolute rock bottom start is is sort of 50 plus super and very quickly within within three years. And, and certainly young people, um, power planners, assistant advisors, associate advisors are absolutely sought after at the moment. They are like hen's teeth. So there are plenty of jobs, plenty of opportunities for for people starting their career in financial planning right now. So, um, yeah, the jobs are definitely there. It's an exciting time definitely yeah. to be entering the industry, I feel. Yes, absolutely. And you've worked with many advisors uh, over your time in the industry. I'd love to know what you think some of the qualities are that make a good financial planner. Yeah, that's a good question. And I one I haven't thought deeply about, but I guess like everybody, like there's um, – there's somebody for everybody is the saying I like to have. So when <laughs> you think, true. oh, who would like that person? I'm sure, well, they're married. So <laughs> somebody <laughs> likes them, right? So, um, but certainly um, number one, if I was have to give, give him qualities, would be um, being a good listener. Um, and there's another saying I like, which is that God gave you two ears and one mouth and you should use them in the, that proportion. <laughs> so do twice as much listening as you do talking when you're an advisor is, is a really good idea because I know my mentor, he used to say, people don't want to know or don't care how much you know, they want to know how much you care. And mm -hmm. so, you know, listen and actively listen, be able to repeat back to people and, and understand what's important to your clients and that will that will take you a long way. Um, financial planning is very much, you know, people think it's an advice business. It's not an advice business. It's a relationships business. Mm. And so that ability to form close relationships with your clients um, and for them and for you to be able to demonstrate that you know and understand what's important to them and why they've come to see you in the first place is critical. Um, in terms of all of the technical capabilities, 
all of your clients will just assume that's a given. You shouldn't be in that seat unless you are absolutely competent across all of the you know the strategies and the range of services that you have you know on your front door or on your business card. So um, the sort of technical stuff, yeah, that's that's a given. And sometimes even some of the you know the associate planners and the para planners and things will will um, put some of that modelling and and uh, advice strategy stuff together. Um, so. It, it's really more about understanding intimately the goals and the, the dreams and aspirations of your clients and um, yeah, holding their hand along the way, giving them the answers they need. Um, as I said before about self-employed advisors, you need that drive and that motivation and self-discipline. Yeah, they're probably, they're probably the main things, just that, that listening and ability to form the relationships is the key. Yeah. Excellent. And I think with a lot of the people that are coming into financial planning now, they've come out of their degrees, they're very well educated, maybe they've got some experience and they feel that they're across all of the technical components of the job, but maybe they're quite a bit younger than their clients and they're struggling to gain that confidence because they do feel like babies in the meeting room. Um, have you had much experience dealing with younger advisors and how have they overcome that imposter syndrome that they might be feeling? Yeah, I guess not only have I had experience with them, I was one, I guess. So I, I do remember that well, um, sort of looking across the desk at, at some clients who were you know, grey-haired and, and looking at retirement and here's me sort of 25 telling them how, you know, what they should do with their money and all sorts of stuff. Um, I, I don't think it's an issue and, and I think perhaps now more so than ever it's not an issue. Young people are achieving some amazing things at a very young age in all sorts of um, areas of life and industry. So, yeah, it's not a surprise now when you see, you know, um, you know the young rich list and there's young people doing amazing things and, and people aren't, you know, put off. You know, once upon a time, you wanted your advisor to be, you know, distinguished and old and grey hair. And, <laughs> and I know when I started in advice and it makes me sound old, um, but, you know, there was, it was just, you know, you look, go to a, a presentation or a conference and it'd be you know, grey hair everywhere. And here was me sort of in my mid-20s um, feeling like a fish out of water. Um, the average age of financial advisors is coming down in the financial planning industry and or profession, I should say. I like to call it a profession. Yep. And, um, and so, yeah, so young people, um, you know, again, you're only limited by your own thoughts on yourself. Um, I, I don't think clients care how young you are really. If, if you can tell that um, you know your stuff in terms of the technical aspects and that you listen and you're empathetic and you care about what's important to them, that's all that matters. So um, yeah, age is not, age should not be a barrier. Um, mm. You're only limited by the, the limitations you put on yourself, I think in that regard. Yeah, for sure. And I imagine for a lot of people gaining that confidence they could do that probably by doing some networking and getting to meet other people in their position. How much would you say networking and getting involved in the industry has played a part in your career? As I know that you've been involved with the FPA for a long time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I guess, yeah, again, like what I said earlier about, you know, you get out what you put in. Um, so yeah, you're right. I've been involved with the FPA for over 20 years. I was fortunate that the um, senior advisor and business owner of the business that I worked with for much of my career was an ex-chairman of the FPA and so I had that introduction I guess to the FPA and that's that's been fantastic and I've met so many wonderful people along the way and I remember my first FPA conference that I went to and 
I walked in and as I mentioned, there was a lot of grey-haired suits walking around. I didn't know anybody. Everybody's <laughs> chatting away, isn't this great, and catching up. I didn't know anybody and I felt like a fish out of water. And fast forward 10 years, I'm one of those guys walking in going, hey, how are you going? Yeah. <laughs> and it does, it, and it's great to know people in the industry and feel part of it and, um, yeah, have a lot of, you know, I've made heaps of friendships. There's been opportunities, um, you know, work opportunities. Um, I've been able to help, you know, not only as an advisor helping clients, I've been able to help a lot of young people um, get a foot in the door um, with their careers, which is rewarding for me. Some of the most rewarding times I've had in advice is actually the stuff that you don't get paid for, right? Mm. It's, the, it's the giving back. And so that's why I've been part of the FPAs. Um, you know, I thought it was important to give back to a profession that I'm deriving my livelihood from. Um, and so if I can help some others along the way, it, yeah, that makes, makes you feel good. So um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Can I answer that question? I wasn't <laughs> kind of a bit off No, track. no, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that um, was excellent. <laughs> and you mentioned that you've helped uh, a lot of young people kind of get their foot in the door in financial planning. And I think that's probably one of the uh, most daunting aspects of getting into this career is how do you actually get that first job and kind of build your network? So what would your advice be for someone who's maybe towards the end of their uh, degree and they're looking to move into financial planning? What are some of the steps they can take? Yeah, good question because it's it's probably an area and I'm not sure anyone's really um, cracked the egg on this one, so to speak. Um, but what would my advice be? I'm, I'm a big believer in calling people. I know the actual, the first role, my main role actually in advice that was a, almost a 10-year role, um, it wasn't an advertised role. So mm. if you are just relying on, you know, wading through Seek or the other um, you know, job type websites, um, I don't think that's the way to go. Um, I think recruiters can be of help. And certainly right now, as I mentioned earlier, new um, entrants into advice, or particularly if you have one or two years experience, and I know it's the whole catch-22 of I can't get two years yeah. experience because no one will give me a job. But, um, yeah, it's um, there's, there's a lot of opportunity right now for, you know, those I don't like to use the word junior, but, you know, those um, early roles um, in your career in financial advice. Um, but if if there are businesses um, and that you would like to work for, and I know, again, it's even all how do I figure out who those businesses are, but um, I would be looking for businesses that are on a, a growth trajectory. I mean, even uh, there, there are websites such as Financial Standard or um, Money Management or some of these, and so subscribe to some of these free, either daily or weekly emails, and they'll tell you things like who are the growing businesses, you know, what are the size of various licensees, and if there's um, businesses that you like the look of, why not give them a call? Why not send them the resume? Don't wait for a job to be advertised. Um, and they might be thinking about recruiting someone new, and particularly if you back yourself, if you've done something great in your study, if you won awards, um, if you've got really high marks, um, if there's other reasons that can link you to a business, um, you know, why not find out who the hiring manager is? Why not find out who the principal is of that business? Send them your resume. What's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah, exactly right. And that's my current role. I the business that I currently work for, they weren't advertising for a job. My job didn't exist. It was just a case of reaching out to them, letting them know that I was looking and that I really liked their, the look of their business. And that's where that opportunity came from. So I think 
you're exactly right. Just yeah. making contact with those people that you want to work for, even adding them on LinkedIn so that they see what you post. Absolutely. Is, and is you the see best what way. they post. And when they're ready to find someone you know, and you can say, yeah, we spoke a little while ago. Um, exactly. The other key thing that I think, and it's probably when you asked me about the key traits of a financial planner, it goes to um, looking for a job too. And um, I mentioned creating the relationship and the listening. Perhaps I should have said also very high on the list of qualities um, is to have and show passion, mm -hmm. right? So, if, you know, if you're not passionate about the industry, you're not passionate about the business, you're not passionate about your clients, then, you know, you may as well go and find something else to do, right? So yeah. if you're going into an interview, I would say rather if you are wondering whether you're overdoing it or underdoing it on the passion side of things, overdo it every time, right? So um, people want people that are enthusiastic, that can't wait to do it, that are articulate, um, you know, and it's all, all the basics too when you're looking for a job, right? It's, it's cliche, but turn up on time. You know, mm. um, you know, I had a guy actually recently, as I said, about helping people find their first job and he rang me and we had a great chat and he sounded great. Um, he was he was enthusiastic and I thought, you sound terrific. And then I actually put him in touch with someone who was actually looking to hire somebody. And the feedback I got from this person, I'd actually never met this um, person. I'd only spoken to him over the phone and he sounded great. Um, but the feedback was that he turned up and he's, you know, I, I think he's wearing runners or something and um, your shirt was out and I'm sure it was like a, I don't know, a hip sort of hipster. Uh, I don't know what he was. <laughs> I don't know if you've really seen him. But, um, yeah, I'm thinking, dude, you had all the right qualities on the phone. You, you were making all the right noises. Um, but you obviously didn't show up and present in the right way um, mm -hmm. for a business. So, um, yeah, if you're wondering about attire, I would, if, you, if you're wondering, be more dressy than underdressed, um, overdressed rather than underdressed perhaps. Um, I know there was um, probably before your time, Azaria, there was a show on telly called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Carson oh, Kirsten. I know the one. You know yeah. the one? And he always used to say overdress rather than underdress because it makes it look like you've got somewhere better to go later on. <laughs> <laughs> the after party. That's good advice. So, um, so yes, my, my tip is overdress rather than underdress. Yeah, for sure. And I think maybe another good way to avoid blunders like that is to check out the website of the business that you're going to meet with beforehand. First of all, get to understand what their business is so that if they ask you why you want to work there, you're not going to look like a fool and you can get an idea of the culture and their expectations through Absolutely, that. Absolutely, yeah. Even um, before when I mentioned those, those um, industry websites and they all have free um, newsletters that you can subscribe to and just reading through those, even them popping up, and it only takes 30 seconds a minute, just even wading through the headlines just means that when you have an interview with someone and they ask, well, what do you know about the financial planning industry? that you don't just sit there with eyes glazing and mouth open saying nothing. You mm -hmm. can say, oh, actually, I see that there's regulatory things happening and there's this and that happening. And you can show that you actually have an interest in the industry that you're looking to enter. So be yeah. prepared. Yeah, it's, it's all cliche, but it's all so true. And it's amazing how often I see um, people who are looking for that first opportunity um, just trip up on some of those, those basics. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's true. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Julian. You've given so much good advice today, which has been, I'm sure, extremely valuable to anyone looking to get into the industry. And I'm sure if, if you're at the next financial planning event and one of our listeners 
see your name tag, they'd be more than welcome to come and say hello. Absolutely. As I said, I, I always, that's the most important, enjoyable part of my job is, is helping people uh, get a foot in the door, so to speak. So yeah, absolutely. Um, probably people now know my name. So uh, yeah, um, if you Google me, I'm on LinkedIn, my phone number's in there and I'm happy to have a chat with anyone one-on-one and um, from wherever you are around the country. And I know, you know the network that I work in, there's advice businesses right around the country. So awesome. there's opportunities all, all the time. So happy to help where I can. Amazing. Well, I'll pop your LinkedIn profile in the show notes to this episode so that if anyone does have any further questions, they can reach out. Um, But again, thank you so much, Julian. This has been so helpful. Been a pleasure. Thanks, Azalea. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Future Financial Planners podcast brought to you by the Financial Planning Association of Australia. For great resources and a free student membership, find us at fba.com.au. Good advice makes for great futures.